are listening to Community Radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, October 14th. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Authorities in Stockton continue to search for a serial killer. Though no motive is known, seven shootings have been linked by ballistic evidence in the Central Valley City. Five of the seven victims were Latino men. The California Report talks with Luis Magaña of Lucha Migrante about how the murders have affected the community. After local news and weather, Felton Pruitt chats with the Yonder Mountain String Band's Ben Kaufman. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Today's regularly scheduled Los Angeles City Council meeting has been canceled because two council members who are at the center of a scandal over a leaked racist conversation have not yet resigned. Fellow politicians are pushing Hill Cedillo and Kevin DeLeon to resign their city council seats as the backlash from a leak tape continues to grow. They've both issued an apology, but nothing more. News of a serial killer in the city of Stockton took over headlines last week after the police department announced a connection between a string of murders over the last year. They didn't provide a motive, but investigators say five of the seven victims were Latino men who were alone in dimly lit areas. I spoke with Luis Magaña, who worked as a farm worker in the former asparagus capital of the world for nearly 20 years. He's now with Lucha Migrante, a community-based organization in Stockton that works to inform farm workers of their rights on the job, many of whom are Latino men working early morning hours. Of course they're concerned, he says, but the extra attention on the murders hasn't really changed much in terms of how the city or Latino community is protected. The FBI's 2020 Uniform Crime Report ranked Stockton as the most dangerous metro area in California and one of the most dangerous nationwide. Nearly half of the city's population is Latino, but Magaña says there's little effort from the police department to build a relationship with this community. In cada esquina hay una cruz, in cada barrio. In every corner, there's a cross. In every neighborhood, there's an altar for people who have been robbed and killed. But these aren't called serial killings. He says if these crimes are investigated, the findings aren't shared with the Latino community, some of whom don't speak English or Spanish, but their indigenous language. The police need to start contacting people directly, he says, not just at a meeting at a church or on the news telling people to call a number. They need to start meeting people where they are to create that trust. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline the California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org.
President Joe Biden and Representative Karen Bass, who's running for L.A. mayor, visited a small chain called Tacos 1986 in Los Angeles yesterday. A reporter asked the president what he ordered, to which he responded. And that got us at the California Report talking about our taco shop order. My go-to order is three tacos de asada with salsa verde and an agua de jamaica. Our producer, Juan Carlos Lara, says that's his too. But the tattoo of a quesadilla on his ankle might beg to differ. I'd love to hear what y'all order and maybe get some inspiration for my next taco shop trip. You can tweet the show at CalReportTweets. Oh, and by the way, the best tacos in California are made in Fresno. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, the magazine brings us the first episode of a new podcast from LAS Studios called Imperfect Paradise, The Sheriff. In it, KPCC's Frank Stoltz takes a deep dive into the tenure of controversial L.A. Sheriff Alex Villanueva. When Villanueva declared his candidacy back in 2018, he was a total long shot, an underdog with almost no leadership experience. Back then... Candidate Alex Villanueva promised to fix a deeply troubled department. I'm Alex Villanueva, and I'm candidate for sheriff for Los Angeles County. Well, my candidacy is about reforming, rebuilding, and restoring the sheriff's department. The reform element is very simple. He ran on a platform of ending corruption. My intention as sheriff is to wipe the slate clean. Protecting immigrants. I am not going to allow ICE physically be inside the jail system and progressive values. It's been 138 years since the last Democrat was elected sheriff. Fianueva was proud of who he was. And voters loved it. When he won, we felt a great sense of possibility for change. We saw it as a signal of hope against Trumpism. But after taking office, things went off the rails. I knew I was being threatened. That was pretty clear. But what exactly it was he was going to do to me was unclear. It's like an enemies list. He was investigating anybody who was critical of him. He's probably one of the most vindictive, retaliatory persons I have ever met. This is pure retaliation and trying to suppress their speaking up. And in the course of that, that's when he made the, the blackmail attempt. I've been reporting on law enforcement in L.A. for 30 years, and I've never really covered someone quite like Alex Villanueva. I'm going to take you through what happened after he became sheriff in 2018. I'm going to show you how a man who ran as a progressive reformer in liberal L.A. County ended up as a darling of Fox News. Your priorities are so exactly in the right place. I just have to ask you, are people thanking you for taking a stand on this? Well, I got a lot of people that are thanking me from across the political spectrum, except for yep. one group, the woke left. Man, why, why didn't you run for governor? Alex Villanueva is up for re-election as L.A. sheriff this November. But many voters who supported him last time around say they now want to boot him from office. You can hear more from Frank Stoltz, host of the new season of Imperfect Paradise, The Sheriff, on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's the California Report for Friday, October 14th. 
We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Skeel Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai, Keith Mizuguchi, and Juan Carlos Lara. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In local news, Circle announced Thursday in a news release that its executive director, Melinda Booth, will step down in February. Booth has been with Circle for nearly a dozen years, including five years as executive director. The release said she will leave her post after the 21st anniversary of the Wild and Scenic Film Festival in February. Booth has served in a number of roles at Circle. She was hired in 2011 as the director of development. In 2015, she became the director of the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. She was promoted to executive director in 2017. The South Yuba River Citizens League, founded in 1983 to protect and restore the Yuba River watershed, grew under Booth's leadership. It now employs 35 people and has 3,500 members and volunteers. Accomplishments under Booth's leadership include an added focus on forest health and wildfire prevention, building partnerships that have led to five active salmon habitat improvement projects in the Lower Yuba, and keeping the organization thriving through COVID. Circle purchased its building in 2020, creating a stable home for operations and added solar power in 2022. Aaron Zettler-Mann, Circle's Watershed Science Director, will serve as interim executive director after Booth's departure in February until the search for a new leader is complete. Caltrans is alerting State Route 49 motorists of a highway closure tonight, south of Auburn, between Lincoln Way and Old Forest Hill Road. Highway 49 will be closed to traffic for slope repairs and damage work until 6 a.m. on Saturday. Motorists will be detoured around the closure via Lincoln Way, Forest Hill Road, and Old Forest Hill Road. Caltrans says the detour will add 15 minutes of travel time. Looking now to the forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com, warm and dry conditions will persist into next week with slightly lower daytime temperatures by Sunday. It'll be clear tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, with a low around 57 degrees. Today, the air quality index was measuring in the single digits. On Saturday, it'll be sunny with a high of 83 and a low of 53. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe region tonight, mostly clear with a low in the mid-30s. The air quality index tonight was averaging around 15. Saturday will be sunny with a high near 73 and a low in the mid-30s. And in Sacramento and Woodland tonight, mostly clear with a low in the mid-50s. Tonight's air quality index was averaging in the 30s. Saturday, in Sacramento and the surrounding valley, it'll be sunny with a high near 83 Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low in the mid-50s. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The progressive bluegrass group Yonder Mountain String Band will be playing the Hangtown Music Festival next week. This year, the four-day music festival will take place at the Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley. Felton Pruitt caught up with bass player Ben Kaufman recently, and they talked about their guest mandolin player, Ben's transition from an acoustic upright bass to an electric bass, 
and the finer points of music festivals. We're talking with Ben Kaufman from the Yonder Mountain String Band. Ben is actually driving off to the airport right now, but he's got uh, you've got your hands-free headset on, don't you, Ben? I do. I am um, everything is totally legal with this conversation. Okay. <laughs> as, at least as long as we're recording. Yeah. So uh, you're driving off to the airport. Where's Yonder playing? We are heading to a festival in Atlanta. We're getting down to the end of, uh, of outside festival time, um, at least in theory. But I don't know, actually, because it seems like warm weather is lasting longer anymore. So maybe festival season never ends. Let's hope not. Or right? maybe, well, now wait a minute, though, well, but the cause yeah. of it might not be good. But. I, it's, you got to take the goods with the bads. You know, and I think there was a, a sitcom in the 80s about that. Right. <laughs> well, uh, the reason that we wanted to talk with you is, of course, you're coming back to uh, Grass Valley next week for the uh, Hangtown Festival at the Nevada County Fairgrounds Railroad Earth Festival. Yeah, I cannot wait. I mean, not only because it's a local show for me, you know, I mean, always, usually I've got to fly anywhere but here <clears throat> to go play shows. But this one, I get lucky. And we get two shows at the at the fairgrounds. My family gets to come see. My son gets to come see what his dad does. Doesn't have to just pretend that I'm a musician. Like he actually gets to see it with his own eyes and hear it with his own ears. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yonder Mountain is uh, playing. Uh, let's see. I've got you Thursday night for the late night show at 1130. And that's on yep. uh, Thursday, October 20th. And then next Friday, the 21st, you're playing the main stage, the Yuba stage at 5 p.m. Yeah. Cool stuff. And I guess Yonder will be doing stuff off your latest CD, Get Yourself Outside. Some. Um, we've got, for the last, uh, oh gosh, bunch of months, since the end of the summer, I suppose, we've been bringing out um, different fifth members of the band to, um, to play with us. So it's this rotating cast of, I mean, in some cases, just, you know, legends in the music. And then... Um, but for this show, I'm actually I'm pretty excited about it because we are going to be playing with this with a local sort of like like a local star or in the making. I think his name is Kyle Ledson. And I'm sure Felton, you know him. Oh, most of, young. Yeah, most of the folks yeah. on KVMR are familiar with Kyle. Yes. Yeah. So Kyle started to come see Yonder Mountain. Um, because his parents brought him to the shows, and he started seeing us when he was four. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And now he's like seven and a half feet tall and can <laughs> dunk a basketball and has turned into just an extraordinary musician and songwriter and performer. And so, you know, you just you think about how just this music works and time, you know, the time passes, of course. And all of a sudden, now we've invited Kyle to come play mandolin for this for these two shows. Um, and Nick, our mandolin player, will move to fiddle because he's one of these guys that can play any instrument better than you know anyone else. So he's moving to fiddle for the show, and Kyle's going to play mandolin. And it's, I mean, it's just like a, it's so fun for us, and to see how excited Kyle is, you know, because it's. I mean, he said it. He's like, you have no idea, guys. This is a dream come true. And we wouldn't have asked him if he wasn't amazing, obviously. You know, we've got a reputation to uphold. <laughs> it's going to be really special playing with, uh, with Kyle, this sort of locally grown 
extraordinary talent. Now, you're no stranger to the Nevada County Fairgrounds out here in Grass Valley. I remember wandering around with you at the Bluegrass Festival. Yeah. We're still trying to get back to that one. I, I don't think they want us to wear suits or something. I don't know. I know. I tried to. Actually, I've been talking with them for the last few years, trying to get you guys to come in and kind of do your acoustic version of Yonder. And uh, maybe that'll happen. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, my, I, shoot, I, I could get it. Do they still make gentlemen's warehouses? Can I go there? Yeah, talk to, talk to the guy there. All right, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, there's the old legend about the, the reason Hot Rise couldn't come back was because they had an electric bass, but I think they'd probably make an exception if Hot Rise ever wanted to get back together and play there. One would hope. Yes. But you play a dog. Have you ever? When's the last time you played a doghouse bass? Of course, you're the electric bass player, but you also play a nice big doghouse bass. Yeah, I just stopped, you know, flying with an actual big uh, acoustic upright bass uh, is challenging even in the best of times. And I'll, I'll tell you the day, the moment in time where I decided I'm never going to do that again. I, uh, we fly a lot. I always get the window seat. And I looked out the window. This, you know, this was probably 20 years ago now. Looked out the window as the baggage handlers were loading my base onto the plane. And by loading the base onto the plane, I mean picking it up and throwing it through the air to land on the conveyor belt and i knew when they threw it i just i'm like that's broken i will open that case in los angeles in that case and it's going to be broken and sure enough i got there and it was broken right down the heel of the instrument and i thought there has got to be a better way and so back then the better way was this bass that i'm playing now which is still an upright bass it's just skinny and is designed to travel um and to travel safely and so I started to play that, and it kind of became part of my, my style and sound. You know, we've worked on the sound that we're able to produce from that instrument for two decades and have got it in, you know, to the point where it is, I mean, it's just a thunderous, you know, I, I think wonderful sound. It's not the same sound as a big bass with a microphone on it, but that's not what I'm looking for or what Yonder really needs anyway. But now, you know, the technology has has come a long way where you're actually finding manufacturers who are building upright bases, proper upright bases that come apart. The neck comes off with like a dovetail joint and it all folds down and fits into what looks like a suitcase so that so you could in theory and other bands do this, too. Like if you ever see the uh, infamous string dusters, their bass player, Travis, he's got a version of the, of a bass like that you know, that comes apart and fits into a suitcase and, you know, um, and he can end up playing an actual acoustic upright bass. And I've thought about it because um, I do miss the, you know, the sound sometimes, the feel. But really, at the end of the day, in my band, you'd have to put pickups on it anyway. We're not using microphones for these instruments. So it's the same pickups I'd be using on a big bass as I use on my my skinnier bass. And, and so, like, we're just pretending to be acoustic at that point so why bother Pre pretending is so hard and tiring <laughs> we're talking with ben kaufman from the yonder mountain string band they'll be playing at the hangtown festival next thursday and friday here in grass valley you know there's a lot of great bass stories about traveling with big basses over the years the greatest one i think is from edgar meyer who about 25 years ago was traveling with jerry douglas and russ berenberg and they were flying into turkey 
and they thought he was smuggling drugs in his base and they were going to cut it in half. And he said, no problem. I need 1.5 million U.S. if you want to do that. Yeah, that, so uh, for, for people who are listening at home and might not know, Edgar Meyer is widely considered to be the gold standard of upright bassists in this music for sure. And for my money, he's one of the, the greatest bass players that I've ever seen, you know, without question. And he has a bass, you know, you can, if, you, if you're able to, and you're really, you know, deserving of an instrument of that quality, you can spend millions of dollars on an instrument. A shoot, you could spend a half a million dollars on a bow. His bass is from the 18... It's a Stradivarius from the 1800s. Yeah, I remember... That's old man's Stradivarius's kid, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which Mike Bubb, where he's got a bass that opens up in the back and you can put a six-pack in it. Yeah, yeah and that's... And yeah, Bubb's got one of those basses, and a bunch of people are playing these, you know, designed to be portable, you know, basses. And, st- and some of them... Just like any instrument, you know, some of them sound great. Some of them you're like, oh, it's not where it's at, you know, but um, they're, they're making really decent travel bases now. Well, we got uh, Ben Kaufman on the phone with us right now, off to the airport in Sacramento, flying off to a festival, then flying back and playing at Hangtown next week. Now, you've done a lot of festivals with Railroad Earth. You guys also used to do your own festivals. Yeah, we just wrapped the final Northwest String Summit. That was 20 years uh, we'd been hosting that festival. And it went out with a bang. And it was just the best time. So that one has sort of uh, seen its run. But we still throw a festival down in Mexico in Cancun in December. That's called Strings and Soul. And that's, uh, I mean, there's nothing like that. That's so incredible. With a bunch of other bands that are, you know, peers and friends, including Railroad Earth. And yeah, you know, festivals anymore is where it's at. It's kind of like what we've, I think a lot of touring bands had to make an adjustment. Uh, is it post pandemic yet? So, we, but since COVID became a thing, COVID changed the, the, the touring business. And so everyone's had to adjust. And what we're all finding is it's a lot easier to get people to come to outside events especially if it's a festival situation where for their dollar, they get to see, you know, five, six, 10, whatever bands over the course of a weekend, as opposed to that having to make somebody pick and choose between, you know, where they're going to, which band they're going to go see at what club. People don't want to be inside anymore and they'd rather be outside and get more for their money. I don't blame them, but it's required a, a change because in the past, We'd think nothing of booking a month-long tour, getting a bus, and show, just doing it. And it just the, the math doesn't square anymore. Yeah. We've been talking with Ben Kaufman from the Yonder Mountain String Band. They'll be playing at the Hangtown Festival at the Nevada County Fairgrounds next Thursday and Friday, October 20th and 21st. Hey, Ben, we can't wait to see you back in your hometown. Oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see you, everybody there. Um, what, how lucky I feel to get to have this local event and it's going to be it's just going to be killer can't wait all righty travel safe we'll see you next week thank you felton
That's our newscast for Friday, October 14th. Want to listen to this or any of our past newscasts again? Head on over to kvmr.org or subscribe to the KVMR podcast. And if you haven't already, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. KVMR gets support from SBL Entertainment. Presenting Flor de Toloache, Tuesday, October 18th, Rick Estrin and the Nightcats, Friday, October 21st, and Carmen Jones's tribute to Tina Marie on Saturday, October 22nd, all at the Sophia Theater in Sacramento. SBLEntertainment.com. Before I sign off, a sincere thanks to all of you who pledged your support during our last membership drive. 100% of your donations go towards keeping our community radio station on the air, and we're very grateful. Thanks as well to Joyce Miller for her help with tonight's newscast. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Have a great weekend and join us on Monday for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.